and welcome to Chapel Chat, a podcast engaging questions of how life meets faith, warts and all, both in our own faith community and our community at large. I'm not Dieter Heinzel. My name is Hannah Shuckel, and I'm the communications administrator here at Lydia Chapel, and I am going to be your host on this journey. You can find out more about us on our website, LydiaChapel.org, or follow us on Facebook and Instagram, and we'd love for you to join us on worship for worship on Sunday. I'm here today with Dieter. We decided to flip the script this week and ask him a few questions, and I think he deserves it. <laughs> We're really excited to have you here, Dieter, uh, flipping the script on you. We wanted to talk a little bit about interfaith and how you got involved with all of that. Yeah, so uh, <clears throat> as many of you may or may not know, I was uh, born and raised in, in Germany, and Nuremberg is my hometown, which uh, happens to be the uh, town of the Nazi party rallies uh, in World War II, and also it was the location of um, the trials after the war was over. So when I grew up in uh, Nuremberg, I had not met one Jewish person until I was oh, in my early mid-twenties when I went to seminary in uh, Austin. And um, each year we would have, at the seminary, we would have an artist who would have a show there. And uh, one year the artist was Jewish and uh, she gave an initial talk in our chapel before uh, she opened the exhibition. And I was sitting in the last row of the chapel and listening to her, and um, I was really uh, shaken by what uh, she said, what I heard. Uh, she had lost most of her family in, in the Holocaust. And um, I strongly felt that I wanted to talk to her, but I did not know how to approach her. So I went to uh, the president of the seminary who had invited her, and I said, uh, Bob, would you mind reaching out to, uh, Carolyn is her name, would you mind reaching out to her and see if she would be able to be willing to talk to me? Uh, I have a few questions. And uh, he said, sure. So he called her and said, we have a student from Germany here, and he would really like to talk to you. You made quite an impression on him with your gallery talk. And uh, she said, no, I do not want to talk to him. So three days later, uh, she called um, the president's office and said she changed her mind uh, to send me to, not to her home, because she had vowed that no German would ever cross the threshold of her house, but to come to her studio. And um, and I did, and she opened the door and, and asked me, well, what what do you want from me? And... I said, I really don't know. I just would like to talk to you. And I was hoping for some sort of reconciliation to which uh, she replied, well, not in my lifetime, but come on in anyway. So we uh, had a conversation for about three hours, uh, after which we were both in tears and ended up giving each other a huge hug. Um, and uh, I left uh, what, what we found out um, where we could communicate was um, she had a family that had been taken from her. So it was a huge void in her life. And I had a history. I had a history 
that nobody wanted to talk about. My parents didn't want to talk about, my grandparents didn't want to talk about, nobody wanted to engage my questions when I was a um, teenager and grew up and learned all about the Holocaust in, uh, in school and from books, but um, did not have a personal connection with it, really. And so her void was the family that had been taken from her. My void was a history that nobody wanted to talk about. And in that space, we found um, a connection where we could have actually have a conversation. So uh, after we um, had met, she painted a picture. Uh, she is um, a three-dimensional artist, and she uh, painted a picture that she called reconciliation. And um, that was all 25, more than 25 years ago now. And um, we have done several uh, symposia together, Jewish-Christian uh, dialogue, uh, into which we invited um, Muslims a few years ago, and we usually meet in Aspen, Colorado. And a few years ago, maybe four or five years ago, we were at one of the symposia, and she invited me to her studio there again. She had moved from Austin to Aspen, and she said, do you remember this picture? And I said, sure, you painted that right after we met initially and she said yes and um it's been in my it's been my studio long enough and this really belongs to you so she um put it into a shadow case and mailed it to me and if you come and visit me in my office you can see that picture it's uh, right opposite my desk and to me that's a reminder every day how important uh, interfaith dialogue truly is See, I've been in your office so many times, but I've never heard this story or realized it. And I bet a lot of our listeners don't know this either. Yeah, you should come and check it out. It's really, <laughs> it's, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful piece of art uh, for sure, and it, it has a lot of meaning to me. What does it look like? So it's um, so she's a three-dimensional artist. So uh, it's a painting on cardboard that uh, has um, two sides protruding outward. And uh, the colors are mainly blues and whites and shades of blue. And um, the two flaps that protrude outward are connected through a very translucent kind of fabric. I think she used gauze or what, what, what not. And so it, it really is a very fragile piece of art, just as... You know, our our friendship, our the beginning of our friendship is very fragile, and how uh, reminder how fragile really the conversation is um, uh, between Christians and Jews uh, in, in particular over over time. So, yeah. So she called it reconciliation. What sort of words do you think you would use to describe this sort of? Not, I don't want to say homecoming or um some sort of help to her because i think she's she and you built a relationship that's very different from a lot of other people's relationships so a word that comes to mind for me would be um an encounter and for me an encounter is really it's a very personal thing it's a very deep thing uh it's something where i can listen to somebody else without without judgment just to listen to their story and um, 
looking them in the eye face to face. I think what one of the issues that really bothers me these days um, with the discourse that's out in the culture and whatnot is that uh, a lot of it is just slogans and a lot of it is just conceptual. There are theories, political theories, philosophical theories, whatnot. But in an encounter, another person is not a theory and another person is not a slogan. It's a human being who has inherent dignity just by virtue of being a human being. Uh, and they have a story and um, they cannot be reduced uh, just to a slogan or political theory. And, and once I think um, that happens, it's very hard to, to hate somebody else. Uh, once you get to know somebody uh, at a level that's that deep, even though you may uh, have very different opinions. And Carolyn certainly has very strong opinions, and uh, I do too. Uh, but uh, uh, the personal encounter, and I think that word is important, um, makes a true conversation possible. So this happened 25 years ago. So what's happened since then in your your interfaith life those re interfaith relationships that you've been building yeah so what was really great was when i uh, first came to st louis in 2001 um i learned about uh, the interfaith partnership that uh here in in greater st louis which is something that um the do chapel has been supporting now for a long time and they're also housed on our campus um, when I first learned about them, I learned about the long history of interfaith work uh, in St. Louis and the greater St. Louis region, which really goes back a few hundred years when uh, the Mormons first crossed uh, the plains because they were persecuted and uh, they came through St. Louis and St. Louis granted them shelter. And word got around, um, so many other faith traditions came to St. Louis and uh, started to build lives here. And so we have an incredible diversity, uh, inter-religious diversity here in the city. And um, I was invited to uh, serve on their board, which, which I did at first for a few years. And then uh, when I rotated off the board, our presbytery uh, asked if I would... Um, I would be their representative on the interfaith cabinet. And so the interfaith board, if you, uh, interfaith partnership has two arms. One is the board, which is sort of the muscle of the organization. And then the interfaith cabinet, which are the faith leaders of each faith tradition that sit around a table. And um, uh, so I, I got to uh, represent uh, the presbytery there, and I, I still do. Uh, and uh, it's, it's very meaningful to me. Um, and again, it's, it's about the relationships. And if, um, if you were to look for an example of why that's so important, uh, when 9-11 happened, uh, we had these deep relationships uh, between Christians and Jews and Muslims. There are many others uh, sitting around the table, too. We have Sikhs and Hindus and Buddhists and, and Quakers and a wide variety of people. But um, we have a strong showing Christian, Jewish, and Muslim. So when, when this happened, when 9-11 happened, there were threats uh, against a mosque on Weidman Road at Dar es Salaam. And uh, people showed up there with trucks and guns. And uh, um, they have a school 
on their grounds, just like we have a nursery school here at Ladue Chapel and uh, just like many Jewish congregations have uh, at their synagogue. So um, we went out and we stood in front of the mosque. When I say we, the interfaith partnership and cabinet, and we said, not here, not in our town, not in our city, and uh, the people uh, left. Now, we could not have done this had we not had uh, this long-standing relationship that we knew we were friends, we trusted each other, and um, one of one of the things we always say in, in interfaith work, and not just here in St. Louis, but in general, is if if one of us is threatened, all of us are threatened. Because if it happens to the Muslims today, it can happen to the Jews tomorrow, it can happen to the Christians the day after. And um, so... Uh, I think it's one of the defining issues of our time, and that's why I'm I'm really passionate about it and have been involved with it for a long time. No, I think it's really great that not only are we focusing on different religions, but different relationships and different, I bet you've made lots of friends and colleagues that are of different religions and races and ethnicities. And so it really, really speaks to both not only you, but just the way that the world can work if we all just work together. Yeah, and what one of the things that, that I really appreciate is that uh, my colleagues, as you put it, and I think you put it really well, my colleagues, they sit down and they're willing to listen to me and what, what's important to me, what um, they're willing to listen to my faith and what, what really drives me and, and whatnot. And, there is no proselytizing. It's just simply we're taking each other seriously as human beings. And um, uh, I think uh, I would like to model that in, in my work as a pastor. I would like to model that you know, as a person when I go to the grocery store. Um, we all have different experiences. We come from different backgrounds. You know, we, we dress differently. We eat differently. We believe different things. We have different political persuasions, and all of that is fine. Um, but that doesn't mean that we have to disregard each other as human beings. And um, that's a great place to start, and I think it's a it's an important place to start. So. I was just going to ask, what what can I do or we do as people who are not on cabinets or uh, the muscle of big interfaith organizations as as regular people? What do you think are some of those first steps that you could take? That's a great that's a great question. Uh, I think you know I, I think it's easier for for our kids because when I when I grew up and when I went to school, everybody sort of looked like I do. And uh, everybody more or less believed what I believe. You know, I mean, there were Roman Catholics and there were Protestants, mainly in Germany, but that that was about it. But everybody else was white like I am. And uh, if I look at the kids today, when they go to school here, um, they are exposed to all different folks. You know, there 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 are uh, people who have um, Asian ancestry or Islander ancestry or uh, African American, Latinx, gay, straight, um, whatever have you, and, and it really doesn't bother uh, the kids. And so, uh, 
I think we can learn a lot from our children, how they interact with each other, uh, how they play with one another, and uh, how they take each other seriously. And so uh, I would say, you know, watch your kids go to the playground, see you know, how kids interact with each other, what they do in school, and um, not a bad place to start, I mm -hmm. think. No, I like that. Uh, might just go on the slide someday, you know, just take a time on the swings, just do a little bit of everything on the playground. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I mean, ultimately, though, regardless of what, what I believe and what you believe or what somebody else may believe, regardless of their skin color, or their political persuasion, their sexual orientation, whatever it is, everybody wants to have their children uh, grow up, have a good education, be safe, be healthy, live in a community that supports them, that loves them. Um, and so uh, we, we tend to forget that. We really tend to forget that. One of my professors in seminary would said once, we fight so fiercely because so little is at stake. And uh, it took me a while to catch on to this. But uh, I think he was, I think he was right. Because ultimately, no matter what's going on out in the world, it's not mine to judge. Uh, I'm not, I'm not the judge. And I don't need to judge on God's behalf. I think God can take care of God's own self. God does not need me to mete out punishment or judgment or whatever it is. But uh, um, but to reach out to others and um, um, yeah, just be in Christian terms, be a neighbor. So in that sense, you gotta love Mister Rogers. <laughs> well, it was great talking with you. I'm sure that they will hear from you very soon in our, ne our next podcast. Uh, thank you so much for listening to the Chapel Chat. I'm Hannah Shackle. Till next time, blessings. Uh -huh.